It is the most wonderful time of the year for a year that can't end soon enough. We all deserve a win. We all deserve a little extra money in our pocket. And we all deserve to have a little fun. Well, the best place to get all three is mybookie.com. They're the only sports book that doesn't care whether you were naughty or nice this year. They've got gifts for everyone. Bet the NFL, NBA, college football, and more. College basketball, too. Sign up today and receive the ultimate stocking stuffer, a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's a great place to start, but we all know Christmas is about what's under the tree. And at MyBookie, that means huge deposit bonuses, epic giveaways, and free contests. It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code ZABE, and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Head over to MyBookie to make the most of the holidays this year and strut into 2021 with cash in your pocket. This winter, bet with the best. Bet with MyBookie. Today on the Zabecast, the little team that could just went and did. The Wolfskins take the Steelers from the perch of the Unbeatens. And you could hear the champagne corks popping in Miami. Andy Poland joins me for a fresh off the gridiron postgame. We got Santa News, breakdancing, and Chris Fowler's report on hookers and COVID from Miami. Your high test, not street legal, 30 minute dose of pure me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! And that, my friends, is why they say on any given Sunday, or in this case, on any given Monday afternoon, the Washington football team has put a loss on the previously undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. How do you like that, sports fans, huh? Welcome aboard. Thank you for downloading. Andy Poland will join me momentarily. The Steelers had been 78-1-1 at Heinz Field with a 14-point lead or better at any point in the game. They are now 78-1-2 in that situation. And they seemingly had gotten their arms around this game. Well, excuse my computer right there. They had seemingly gotten their arms around this game. Up 14 to nothing, end of the first half. They've got the ball in their own territory, about the 30, I want to say. And they've got third and one. And of course, they cannot convert third and one. Because the Steelers, this Steelers team, cannot run the football. Your final uh, splits on passes to runs, I think it was 14 running plays, 52 passes. I mean, come on, that's a joke. So they can't convert third and one. They've got a punt, and there's only about, what, 53 seconds, I want to say, before the end of the first half. All of a sudden, the Wooft has life. Two big plays. Next thing you know, you get a field goal with a bit of a kerfuffle involving the K-ball. More on that in just a second. And all of a sudden, the momentum has turned. They get the ball to start the second half, and on a third and four, I believe it was, they had... The Steelers had the skins, oh, excuse me, the woofed skins. They had the woofed bottled up on one of those little, you know, screen passes, and they couldn't stop it. Sheriff gets out, creates a great block, uh, slip a tackle, big gain, and all of a sudden they're in business. Next thing you know, it's 14 to 10, and now it's a ball game. 
basically Washington all night long did not blitz. They rushed just four, and they got not quite home to Big Ben, but they made it uncomfortable. And Montez Sweat, who made the game-winning deflection, uh, was great in batting down balls, getting in passing lanes. And yes, Pittsburgh lost. Pittsburgh dropped a bunch of passes. There's no question about that. But this is the net-net about this team that I've been saying now for a while. If this is a TLDL situation, too long, don't want to listen. This little team is playing really good football. They are maxing out their talent and their makeup with what they are right now. They need still a true number one quarterback. And yes, they need more deep threats, although Cam Sims is showing out the one-handed catch was huge to set up the go-ahead field goal. And the D-line is clearly the strength and the heartbeat of this team. Yeah, the secondary's got some worn-out spots in the carpet that people are targeting, like Darby and company, and they gave up the big play right after the goal line stand, and they punted it away. I get it, but still, this team is maxing out its overall talent, without a doubt. This is maybe the grittiest team, is that appropriate, the grittiest team, I'd say, that I've seen with Washington in a long time? I'll talk to Andy about that in just a second. But look, I don't want to say the culture has changed because we have said that and we have believed that as fans of this team for way too long. But full props to Ron, his staff, and the players. This team is coming on right now. And here we go. Five and seven, and we'll see you down the stretch, New York Giants. Don't stumble because this team looks like they're going to play week in week out. Some other quick thoughts on the uh, game. The pleasant surprises continue with this team. Peyton Barber and J.D. McKissick are great bargain basement running backs. In fact, McKissick is like the X button. I don't know why they can't guard McKissick just on that little swing pass out of the backfield. That's on film all year long. Teams are able to see that all year long. I know McKissick is quick and and he Cuts hard, and he cuts inside sometimes. But he kills teams on the quick flip. It's eight yards every single time almost. Logan Thomas has been a huge surprise at tight end. I began the year saying, I don't know, tight end is a black hole. There's nothing there at tight end. Oh, I'm sorry. Here's Logan Thomas. He's here at tight end. Chase Young continues to be the right pick. I... Just love watching him play, even when he doesn't show up in the stat sheet. He's fun to watch. He's going to be a great player for a long time. And yes, I am a Smithsonian to the very end. Alex Smith <clears throat> is not a great quarterback right now. But damn it, he takes hits. He gets up. His leg was gashed. It was bleeding. He finished the game. He engineered the go-ahead field goal drive. Fuck, that guy is awesome. I'm a total Smithsonian to the very end. But man, Pittsburgh is so unbalanced right now. Without James Conner, they cannot run at all. And all their replacement backs, not even close to being Conner. Pittsburgh has a third and one. They throw in complete. This is when the game is on the line. It's a tie game. They throw in complete driving at about the woofed 30. 
Then on fourth down, they opt out of the field goal because it's going to be, ooh, it's a little windy on this open end, and we've got a rookie kicker. By the way, never have a kicker on your team that you don't trust to win the game from inside of 50 yards. And that wouldn't have won the game, by the way. There's a lot of football left. But you didn't trust him to put you ahead in that spot when it was clearly a place to kick a field goal. Had they had a good field goal kicker, they would have gone ahead and let him kick it. But that's the point. If you're going to have a kicker you don't trust, you don't have a kicker. It's so stupid. So on fourth down, they throw a back shoulder fade 20 yards down the field to a running back who has got five catches on the year. And I've already forgotten his name, so it doesn't really matter. This came after earlier in the game. They had seven plays in a row at the one cock line down on the goal line against the Wolf, and they couldn't run it in. This team can't run credibly, and they are not they're not a bad team, Pittsburgh, but my God. They uh they've got to balance this out and quick because I don't think they're as good as their record says they are, and that is something that I'm sure Jimmy Johnson would disagree with. You are what your record says you are. Actually, that's Bill Parcells that said that. You are what your record says you are. Speaking of penalties in this game, the Steelers got a penalty for too many men, uh, ineligible man downfield. And I said, okay, that's the right call. I'm not arguing the call. But I asked on Twitter, so what is the illegal man downfield penalty meant to guard against? What is it meant to mitigate against? Because I said, why not you let, let him run downfield? Oh, come on, Zabe, you're better than this, someone said on Twitter. People talked about, oh, what are you going to do, set up screens 20 yards downfield? And I'm like, yeah, that sounds cool. Let's do it. Wouldn't there be a defense? Wouldn't there be a counter move for too many men downfield or illegal men downfield? You still couldn't throw to linemen. I'm not proposing that. But to me, rules, which, by the way, can be anything you want them to be, should always be meant to mitigate and lean against what would be a patently unfair action. I'm not sure illegal men downfield is an unfair thing, but that's just me. Uh, Spotting of the football. Logan Thomas seemingly might have possibly had gotten a first down and apparently got a bad spot. Ron challenged it. They upheld the call, and a lot of people were very angry on Twitter. I said the people that are calling for we, we use a, a, a pair of sticks and a metal chain. This is ridiculous. A billion-dollar league. We can't do better than that. Okay. You know everything is just a ballpark spot. Even though they had a couple of camera angles, I do not believe, for the life of me, you can tell for sure where that ball would have been when it comes to being, was it out of bounds? You'd have to have a camera right over the sideline looking straight down. But people just get very angry. My former partner, Scott Lynn, on Twitter just says, this is a stupid take. There was two angles on this. Come on now. Scott Lynn believes in replay, though. I don't. You know, there was a snafu on the K-ball at the end of the first half. I think they probably would have gotten the kickoff, except Blandino said the refereeing mechanic or the so-called procedure on plays like that where there's no timeouts is you don't swap out for the K-ball. You just spot it real quick, and if they want to kick it, they can kick it. 
The K-ball, for those that don't know, is a special kicking ball that is, a not, that is not allowed to be broken in as much as the throwing balls. Excuse my voice. <clears throat> not allowed to be thrown, uh, kicked because it's not allowed to be broken in. Kickers used to break them in, like, really, really hard. And so they wanted to make, you know, kicking a little bit more difficult. So they made them have newer, less broken-in footballs to kick. Whatever. So Blandino said they should not have sent in the K-ball because when the clock is running, you just want to spot the ball. I think the referees were going to do that, but Alex Smith ran off the field with the ball. In theory, because that was the procedure, Alex Smith, and because he carried it off the field, the, the 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 football team should have suffered the penalty, basically, of not being able to kick the field goal because their quarterback screwed it up. He's running off the field with the ball. Of course, Alex is so smart, he might have known that was going to happen. Who knows? It doesn't really matter. I think they would have gotten the kickoff in time. Nobody will really know. A lot of people got bent out of shape on Twitter, which, of course, is what they do. TJ Watt, he's a great player. And he played a good game, but man, he made two plays that were absolutely de- terrible for the Steelers' chances. Strip and a missed fumble recovery because the ball's right underneath him. He's got two hands around the ball. He's getting up on his feet after stripping Peyton Barber, and he wants to scoop and I guess score from like 30 yards away. And I get the aggressiveness, but while he is getting himself set and getting up off of his one knee, Here comes Logan Thomas, there's that guy again, swooping in and jumping on the football. That's how you recover a loose football. You jump on it. How did Jeremy Sprinkle not jump on the muffed punt earlier in the game? That, to me, was insane. The other bad play T.J. Watt made was he committed an obvious holding penalty on a fourth and goal play with McKissick going in motion on a little jet sweep out of the backfield. And look, he might he might have had to do that to prevent the touchdown, but a play like that, it's going to get called every time. Who's not going to call that? Next thing you know, they're walking in for a touchdown. But there it is. Big win for the football team, and we'll talk more about it with Andy Pollan in just a second. Some holiday not cheer. Headline, politically correct Santa tells crying kid, He won't bring him a Nerf gun. This happened, uh, apparently, a mall Santa. A mall Santa. Come on, man. Where is this? A mall Santa, reports the New York Post, dropped the hammer on a little boy who asked him for a Nerf gun for Christmas, telling the bawling kid he wouldn't bring him the toy. The polect. Politically correct, Chris Kringle was caught on the video asking the child what he wanted for the holidays. And this was on a Facebook post by the boy's mom. The boy apparently mentioned a gun because Santa could be heard replying, no, no guns. When the kid's mom, who was standing nearby, piped in just to be clear, Nerf gun, she said, the not-so-jolly old St. Nick was still having none of it. He said, nope, not even a Nerf gun. I mean, this is what it's come to, huh? You could buy a fucking Nerf gun in the goddamn mall, pardon my French, where St. Nick is sitting. At least this was at a mall where you could come somewhere close 
to Santa. I really wish they would have said where it was. I guess you don't get that basic journalism anymore. I'm staring at the story, staring at the story. Every story used to have dateline, meaning where it's from. This one does not have a dateline. Now I've got to go to Facebook. Santa's at a table uh, in this mall, whatever. Hey, at least the kid got face-to-face with the old man with the bag. There are now Santas that are appearing in bubbles. That's right, plastic bubbles like in Seattle where children stand in front of the bubble with the Santa Claus inside and take a picture. And it's apparently even worse in New York City where there's bubbles, Santa's inside of snow glow bubbles, and you just drive by and take a picture. Oh, my God. The Olympics has added another sport to its official Olympic resume. Breakdancing. Yes. This after parkour fought to not be included as an official Olympic sport. But breakdancing is now an official Olympic sport. It'll be added to the medal events program in the 2024 Paris Games. Can you imagine winning a gold medal in some real, very difficult event that's Olympic caliber track and field? You're the decathlon gold medalist. And then there's some other asshole from the same games walking around with a gold medal in breakdancing. Also confirmed for Paris by the IOC executive board were skateboarding, sport climbing, and surfing. The IOC's pursuit of urban events to lure a younger audience saw street dance battles officially added to the medal events program this year. (laughs) God damn, the Olympics has jumped the shark. Are they still going to have it in Tokyo this summer, or are they going to chicken out? Good question. All right. By the way, I'm going to call Andy Poland right now live. He said to call him at 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern Time. Let's go ahead. and Because uh, you know, Andy's got a strict bedtime to uh, live up to. So let's just see how he's doing here. Oh, there we go. Hello. Well, well, well. We have our signature win on the year. We. Sorry about that, Andy. How about it, huh? Yeah. I mean, uh, talk about unexpected, especially down 14 to nothing. And, you know, when all is said and done, what Alex Smith did at the end of the first half may have been the most important play of the night, the old hidden ball. (laughs) See, I just went through that before bringing you on, and I said, in theory, if Blandino is right, that the referees are trained to spot whatever ball they have, when there's no timeouts left, and not go for the K-ball, then in theory, Smith and, the, and Washington should have been penalized. Not with a flag, but they just should have been penalized with, hey, we can't go any further because there's no ball. They should not have stopped the clock, right? Because he took yeah. the ball off the field on his own. i never seen anything like it. Now, they, they may have been able to get it off. I think they would have. But, but it, it was going to be tough. And, they, and then you see the clock stop. You go, why is the clock stopping? Is there a penalty? No. And then the referee comes up with some cockamamie thing about administrative error. (laughs) You know, know, these NFL games are hard to get perfect, aren't they, officiating-wise? Yeah, they are. 
and I know that's going to lead you into your rant about instant replay. <laughs> is it not? I've already had it. Good news for you. I had it before I called you. Oh, <laughs> I said there's still people that believe in replay, and there's still people that get upset about spots that are not good, like the Logan Thomas spot. I'm like, yeah. you don't know where that fucking ball was. You think you know because you watch two replays. And you're like, oh, it was definitely a first down. It's all a judgment call. Holding, pass interference, illegal block in the back, and on and on and on. None of this shit is exact. It's a game, yeah. Andy. It's a game. Yes, but, uh, you know, HDTV. I know. Uh, the fact that it's so easy to see these things. You know, look, they, they tried to get rid of it once before. I know. And they brought it back. Well, the, uh, the thing about it is you mentioned the HTV and all the cameras. And I think typically they bring 30 cameras to an NFL game. Even more for Monday and Sunday night games. Probably like was, more. Yeah, probably more was, for the Monday nights and the big games. But, yeah, but this, 30 this was cameras. basically a, a Sunday game that was moved to Monday. So I fact, know. It wasn't even shown to all of the country. It's only about half the country saw it. You know what's weird? So I'm here in Milwaukee, and I got the game on my hotel TV, and I just assumed for sure Mm -hmm. that everyone was getting it. I could have actually been left out in the cold here, but somehow they delivered it to Milwaukee. Good. I don't know why that is. So I guess it's a regional thing, right, that because it's not a national game, why wouldn't they make every game that's rescheduled to COVID due to a national game? I, I don't know, uh, other than maybe local affiliates might not want it, but I don't know if that would be the case. You know, they do have their local news that they have to sell at that time and things like that. But, no, yeah. it, it was it was basically a game that was transported from Sunday to Monday. It was shown to the yeah. same percentage of the country that it would have been shown to had it been played on Sunday. All right, I dare ask this question. Has the culture been changed? Yeah, no. It's a little too early to say this, but uh, the Washington Post actually just put out another story tonight about. Oh, oh I saw uh, it. A, yeah, a, a payment that was made, and I, I was thinking about this. Uh, there's a lot of addition by subtraction. All right, hold on, let me it's, let me set it up for the listeners. A lot of people don't get the post, Andy. I know you get it still. Do you still get the paper perversion delivered oh, to your? Oh, absolutely. At a boy. Over to my front door every morning. So the Washington Post just put out a piece uh, that chronicled that through the legal maneuverings of the league's investigator, uh, this woman, um, who's the woman in charge of the league's investigation? Beth, uh, Wilkinson. Beth Wilkinson, yes. She was able to find out that Dan Snyder and the Redskins had a settlement with a former employee that was under the cover of a confidentiality agreement, and Snyder's lawyers had been fighting tooth and nail to keep that from coming out, but that has been dug out. And so that now casts a further bit of a shadow, and I hope it casts more instability in the possible future of Dan Snyder as this owner, but it's something they clearly didn't want to get out. Now, who the employee was, what were the things that caused this to settlement to be activated, and how much money it was, all those are still unknown, but they may come out now. But that, yeah, that's the story you're referring to. All right, go ahead. Right, but but the, the larger point of that is those stories and others have kept Snyder occupied. They have kept him out of the football team's <laughs> operation. And also, there's no Bruce Allen anymore. Yes. So, so, you know, while Ron Rivera has done a very good job, 
he hasn't had to deal with a Hazarai that all the others have had to deal with, you know, going back to Shanahan and Gruden and, you know, especially poor old, uh, poor old uh, Zorny who right. was in over his head. But, but so, so I think that, that he has been able to operate without all this mess. I think that that has really helped him. And if there is a culture change, He's been able to do it with a lot more ease than the others have been able to do. That's a that's a really good point, Andy. I never thought about that. That Snyder, I'm sure, is spending a lot of time working oh, yeah. on these lawsuits and working on this investigation, and sure. so therefore yeah. he doesn't have time to say, "Hey, Ron, can I have lunch with you?" Yeah, or or you know, and and partly pandemic too that they, there isn't as much access. But you know, nuzzling up to certain players. I mean, don't you think he would have been schmoozing up Terry McLaurin by now in normal circumstances? I you suppose know, he, so. I yeah. I guess I don't know. I guess we'll only find out if the culture goes back to being bad in the next year or two. But yeah, I guess he has been preoccupied, and obviously, no Bruce Allen. Bruce Allen is going to look worse and worse through the lens of time and history as right. a just conniving, backstabbing, dirty-dealing, Machiavellian site-type figure who for 10 years, right? Was it 10 years of him? Yeah, 10 years, yeah. Now look, look at the guys that they brought in here. These are not guys that would have come in under the Allen regime. Logan Thomas, I mean, I didn't think they were going to get much out of him. He's, he's doing he's all the tight end. One of the MVPs of the year. <laughs> J.D. McKissick. Okay, you know they they lose they lose their best running back in the first quarter of the game. McKissick was great. He had ten catches for seventy why, yards. Why can't they cover that play? Why does I he always know. get? <laughs> I want someone who's smart at diagramming football plays to go. Here's why he gets a guaranteed eight yards or more every time on this. Yeah, not that Norv's kid. Turn it into a hell of a play call. Let me tell you, no, I love this offense. What he's doing, yeah. and, and he's dealing with not a great hand of cards. We no. still need a true number one quarterback. Alex has been amazing, and I am a Smithsonian to the end, Andy. I'm behind mm-hmm. Alex to the very end, but he can't go deep on a consistent basis. No, no. Well, they, you know, neither can Big Ben. Did you see Big Ben tonight? He, uh, he, he was, was not very good. good. And not very good, and he was playing hurt because I guess he showed up on the injury report on Saturday. What, right. What was the injury? Do you know? He's always got an assortment of things. Big Ben does. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't reveal what it was, but he was cleared as of yesterday morning. So it wasn't like you know a right. game time decision. But yeah, well, the, he, he, he didn't look that great. The bigger either. problem is that Pittsburgh can't run. I mean, you can't yeah. run the ball credibly. That's what's great about this Washington team. They can run the ball credibly, meaning they can run it for two or three yards when you need to get a couple of yards. Well, they only averaged 2.1 yards a carry tonight. But uh, they they made plays when they had to, and Alex Smith threw for almost 300 yards. I mean, he put the ball up 46 times. Big Ben threw 53 passes, yeah. and they only ran 14 times. Yeah. I mean – yeah, crazy. Game game was a hard watch for for much of the game itself, but yeah. this is this is the eternal allure of this league, Andy. Any given Sunday or any given Monday afternoon. Oh yeah, and and look, this is this is why it's so attractive to bet because you just don't know, <laughs> and and you know you you tune in to watching the Red Zone Channel yesterday, and you see Cleveland up what were they thirty one to nothing on Tennessee. They you were know, up big, Jesus, yeah. Had that happen. All right, so with with the Wolf and the Giants both winning 
as nearly 10-point underdogs. Now, the, the Wolves started as a 10-point dog. The Sharps loved this side of the game, and they hammered that line down to 6.5, I believe, right. at closing. So uh, with two big upsets here, who do you favor now? I know uh, the Giants have the drop on us with their uh, head-to-head record. Head-to-head, but look at what's upcoming. San Francisco, that's kind of a mess. They're, they're kind of quarantined in, in Arizona. Um, I'm watching them right the, now. I don't think they're going to be an easy out, whether you play them in Arizona, San Francisco, or on okay. the far side of the moon. All right. All right. That's, Seattle might be winnable here. It might be. Yes. Might be and, Seattle and looked then, like garbage against the yeah. Giants. Are the and, Giants any good? Giants uh, defensively looked very good. They really did. As and, do we look pretty good, yeah, I think, defensively. They, they did. Yes, yeah. yes, you do. You, you, you the Washington <laughs> the team, look good. Um, I, I think also, I, I was dead wrong about this guy, Joe Judge. I believe I, I said when he was making players run laps for dropping passes. Yeah, I remember that, camp, yeah. That, that this is less Steckle all over again. Well, <laughs> clearly I was wrong about that. The very high school approach seems to be working for them. But this is what the league does. It turns what you thought you knew into something you don't know in a matter right. of weeks. I mean, Russell Wilson was the MVP after five weeks. Numbers are off the charts. Let Russ cook. Russ, right. Russ has now burned down the kitchen. He had a grease fire. <laughs> <laughs> He's thrown eight picks in three games. I mean, it's yeah. it's amazing. God, this Kyler league Murray. is fucking great. He's turned into a pumpkin. He's I, turned into a shrimp again. I know. He's a midget. He can't play. Uh, and how about Carson Wentz? Has Carson Wentz been benched officially in Philly yet? Not officially, but uh, when, uh, what's his name, Doug Peterson went on WIP this morning, he was noncommittal. And usually when yeah. a coach is noncommittal about quarterbacks, there's a change in the works. The cap hit on Carson Wentz Oy. would crush a team. It's Oy. part of why he's untradeable. I was going to joke with you, would you trade Haskins for Wentz straight up? Philadelphia picked up the salary, I guess. <laughs> I know. You can't afford it. That's the thing. Yeah. But as a as a player, I don't know if Wentz will ever get it back. I think he's like yeah. Steve Blass. Who was it? Was it Steve yeah. Blass in baseball who just yeah, lost Blass. it and couldn't locate couldn't, the strike zone? Couldn't find the plate. There's been a few of those guys over the years. I think Rick and Keel was another one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we got our boy Greg G- 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 Williams oh, whacked hey. in New York. First of all, was the play called defensible? No. Here, here's <laughs> my, my theory on this: is that he's got a winless team. This is the play that's going to close out the game, and he wants to close it out with a sack. He wants to put the quarterback on the ground, right? And he can dance off the field and see. I told you so. His record. As a coordinator, recently, I mean, true, he's doing it for bad teams, but the numbers are staggering how bad is – I think here's, here's the numbers here. Uh, Peter King had them this morning. And uh, in Cleveland, 2-21-1, and 0-16 in 2017, with the Jets 7-21, and 0-12 in 2020, nine wins in 52 games. Okay, is now these are – hold on a second. Peter King has just invented a new stat – D coordinator wins and losses. That's not a stat. Understood. But it's also. Where were his defenses ranked? Did he go through his defensive ranks when he was there? I I agree that that. Greg Williams is overrated. I don't know if if defensive coordinator wins and losses is an appropriate number. But, yeah. So, um, he's, he's overrated. He's cocky as hell. 
And I don't know why he's still in the league. Is this it for him? Got to be. I, I can't imagine. But, you know, he's, he's – He sat out a year. Well, they, they, kicked, no, they kicked him out indefinitely. Well, I know. He sat – because they kicked him out. He was banned. He was shoeless he Joe. Back. But he was only out a year. I know. And he got a job again. Yeah. Now, he did pretty well in, in – uh, I guess it was still St. Louis then. I guess he did okay there. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I, I, I he's, he is he's as bad. He is as bad as Rob Ryan became. Rob right. Ryan became this novelty D coordinator that people thought, oh, he's really good. He was never really good. He was just he had a big fat belly and long white hair, and it distracted you from the fact that his defenses weren't very good. Yeah, well, his, his brother did a pretty decent job as a defensive coordinator, but they're also sons of Buddy Ryan, and Buddy Ryan was full of bluster. And while Buddy Ryan did a really good job with the Bears as a defensive coordinator, he was not a good head coach. Yeah. All right. What else you got on your mind before I let you go to bed? And I'm going to go to bed, too. Yeah, well, I've I've got some go through the uh, the postgame stuff here. But I I mean, I I think that if if this can continue with Ron Rivera and there isn't some big disruption like we've seen with the other coaches, this team possibly could be on track to be fairly decent. They've got a lot of cap room for next year. And you, what you can't buy draft, good players. No, you know but, that. We're but, not going back to Redskin one, gassing no, up to go buy somebody expensive. But the point is, is that they, they will have the opportunity to keep players that they want to keep. And if they, they draft well and, and do well in, you know, the secondary market and free agency like they did last year, this might be all right. No, I mean, they got they got to spend. Back. They got to spend for sheriff. Would you spend for sheriff? Would you break the bank yeah. for a guard? I, I probably would. I mean, he got he got hurt tonight and came back in. Um, he's had a little bit of a history with injuries, but it does seem to make a difference. When he came back, they really started playing well, and I, I would I would think about bringing him back. But but then it's but then it's all about you know uh, it's all about the quarterback. It's Alex, yep. and as much of a, as I am a Smithsonian now, you know, he got tackled awkwardly, and his knee, knee kind of buckled, and he could have a normal type of injury that effectively ends his career, a blown-out ACL, something like that, a dislocated could. ankle. Good, but I, I think it might be worth the risk. You bring him back next year. Uh, you also bring back Kyle Allen, and you draft somebody and, you know, see if that guy develops. I, I think that's, you know, may not be a, a high draft pick. Look, yep. You know, they're not going to get one of the top two. But I think that, that that might be the move to make. And they can, they can you know, if, if they're a team that consistently puts together nine win seasons for a while, two, three years, that'll satisfy the people here, which, yeah. you know, it never did before, years before. Are you sad that John Wall is no longer a wizard? And are you excited for the Russell Westbrook era? I was very impressed. I watched his uh, whole news conference, went about half an hour on Saturday, and I thought he was very impressive in what he said. And John Wall was basically pretty good here in terms of, you know, off the court. Like he he had a few things that were, you know, a little dicey. Flashing gang signs. Yeah, and he showed up, reportedly showed up for practice hungover and things like that and got into it with, uh, with, with uh, Scott Brooks. But by and large – pretty much of a mensch you know he was not gilbert arenas uh, in terms that's of a money. low bar andy understood but, <laughs> but he, he essentially took the place of gilbert arenas as the star of this team uh just unfortunate that the injuries took hold now if if getting russell westbrook keeps bradley beal 
that's a tremendous move. That's a, I mean, either way, I think it's a great yeah. trade. I think that was a tremendous trade. A great trade. Well, relatively speaking, is I mean, you got a guy who was untradeable, and you traded him. Yeah. Now, you traded him for somebody who makes just as much money, but wouldn't you rather have Russell Westbrook, who's a better player, I think, than John Wall? Do you remember think- when uh, – who, who was the last guy we had that I thought was untradeable? And Ernie uh, Ernie managed to trade him, but we took on a lot of bad contracts well, in uh, return. Jordan, Jordan traded Jawan Howard. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> they did trade Gilbert. They traded Gilbert for some guy from Orlando whose name yeah. escapes me. But, uh, yeah, they, they did it. But, uh, you know, I think, I think the Wizards are still a backwater team. I don't think that, you know, in terms of who, who anybody no, we're a tier in the league. We're a tier three team. We're not even yeah. a tier two team, but hey, if they make the postseason next year, that'd be a great thing. Did you see where the NBA has revised their so-called resting rules? Yeah, yeah. This fucking league, Andy. I gotta tell you, I have no problem with the stars making forty million dollars a year. If you're LeBron, you deserve it. Some of these guys making forty million, like Wall and Westbrook, they're horribly overpriced, but that's the system. Giannis, who should make all the money in the world. This resting shit does not sit well with the public at all. The NBA now says that you shouldn't rest two or more healthy players during a road game because, you know, they're trying to sell tickets to little Timmy and little Susie who came to see the big stars of the NBA. And the other caveat they said was if you do rest one of your healthy stars or just one of your healthy players, they should be visible in the arena on game night. Get the fuck out of here! Yeah, that that is. I mean, the one thing when the when the Bulls were having their runs. Now Jordan did take you know time out. He had a couple of retirements there, but when he was playing, he showed up to play every night and played. Everyone played eighty two of eighty two. First of all, they weren't getting injured like today's NBA players are getting injured. Do you ever remember guys getting injured back in the day like they are now in the NBA? Used used to have occasional things. Occasional. but but I remember like and, and and now a torn ACL is like routine. Bernard King had one, they, and it took him two years to I come know. back to come back, they, and he did. They carved his knee open like a poor Christmas turkey. Right, but but he made it back, and he actually became an all star again. But now it's like yep, ACL. We'll see you next year. Boom. Yeah. And so the, while it does seem like the injuries happen more often, they're not considered to be anywhere near career threatening like they used to be. Yeah, I just think it rubs the public the wrong way. Yeah, and now you've got James Harden who has not shown up for the Rockets, you know, first day of camp because he wants to be oh, traded. Yeah. That's another thing. It's it's so easy now that if you don't like your situation, you can get out of it. And 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 the contracts that they sign, you know, you say ten years, nine hundred billion dollars. Oh, but there's an out in two years. You know, it, so. to me, it in a just world, if you don't show up. They could void your your forty million dollar year contract immediately. That's okay, the then, way it should be. And then what happens? Then a guy like Harden's a free agent. The bidding war starts. Well, he gets forty million from the place he wants to go. Harden would get it from somebody, but there are players like Chris Paul. They wouldn't get that. They would lose the forty million, and they'd sign somewhere else for twenty million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, okay. I, I I I know. I remember the day when Nolan Ryan got a million dollars a year from the Astros, and George Steinbrenner says, "That's it. Now they've gone and done it. <laughs> now they've gone and done it." Will you and I be alive to see the first one hundred million dollar a year team sport athlete? One hundred. Yeah. Yeah. You think oh, absolutely. so. Absolutely. 
Uh, if you look, look, Patrick Mahomes has almost tickled that. <laughs> no, yeah. not no per year, Andy. Well, but but you know, what would he get? Five hundred million yeah. over. It's like 10? thirty per year. You got a long way to go. We'll see. Yeah. Right. How long yeah. do you plan to live? Uh, I'm working on a hundred. Okay, that's the goal here. So that's how many more years? So that'd be another what thirty-eight? Uh, yeah. Piece of cake, the way you live, my friend. All right, buddy. Always good to talk right. to you. Enjoy the win. It's our Super Bowl win. We may not you make the it. playoffs, but there you go. Beat the Steelers. <laughs> Beat the undefeated Steelers. See you next week, Andy. Thanks. See you, buddy. All right, coming up, or not coming up. Uh, let me end on this here. A couple of different things, two, two different things just to end on. Uh, one is snow. Now that we are turning the corner into winter in Washington, D.C., the Capitol Weather Gang, a good follow if you are in the DMV and you want to keep up on weather-related stuff, including some interesting stats, the Capitol Weather Gang predicted their snowfall totals for Washington, D.C., and they range mostly in the 7 to 15 inches total accumulation for the entire season range. There's a low liar of 3.1 and a high number of 22 by two guys, Matt Capucci and Brian McNoldy. Nobody knows who they are and nobody cares. Okay. Here's what's interesting is that the average snowfall in the DMV has been on the decline. And there was this little snippet from one of the uh, weather guys explaining why that is. And, of course, climate change was involved. But also, they moved the measuring station somewhere along the way from the late 1800s until now. Meteorologist Chester Lampkin, we're talking about D.C. snow. There has been a noticeable trend in snow over the last several decades, and it's for less snow in D.C., so... On average, the last two decades, going back to the winter 99-2000, we averaged about 14 inches of snow. You go back a few more decades before that, 45 to 65, that's around the time when the weather observations were moved to National Airport, 17 inches. And then before that, when records were first kept back in the 1880s to around 1905, 85 to uh, 1905, 23 inches is how much we averaged per Winter. So, yes, there is a noticeable trend in less snow over the last couple of decades here in D.C. There are a couple reasons for that. We outlined that here in this story. Urban heat island effect, the fact that they've moved the weather uh, measuring uh, station multiple times since then, and the fact that National Airport is by the water, so it tends to get a little bit less snow. So a lot of factors here. Of course, climate change also a factor. Temperatures have been warming. In fact, since 1970, there has been a two degrees rise in the average temperature in D.C. that uh, is in the winter. This comes from Climate Central. If you go back to the 1880s, overall from 1880s to 2019, there has been a nearly four, degrees ri- four degree rise overall in temperatures for Washington, D.C. That's according to National Weather Service data. So there you go. If, if you're a weather nerd like me, uh, they changed where they started recording the snowfall totals, and then they also, well, there's also been some warming in the last uh, 20 years or so. I just seem to remember not so long ago, 10 years ago maybe, we'd get a quick early pow punch of snow in early December. 
and you could actually go get a Christmas tree after Thanksgiving if you timed it right with a nice little blanket of white stuff. And those snowfall totals that are going down on average, that includes the 2010 year with the back-to-back blizzards, Snowmageddon, 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 Snowzilla, which was a 24-incher with a 20-incher less than a week later. (laughs) Holy shit. That was apocalyptic, and that sucked. All right, let's end on a warm note. Chris Fowler on Twitter, using Twitter the way you're supposed to, with this anecdote, ESPN's Chris Fowler talking about a real-life incident in a parking garage elevator. True story, it just happened. File it under the hashtag, because Miami. Parking garage elevator. Guy nicely tries to hold the door, wants to know if we want to get in. We said, no, no, that's okay, we'll, we'll get the next one. As the door is closing, he says, you know, I've been with prostitutes and never had COVID. Straight face. I assume he was serious. All I could come up with as the door's just about to shut was, congratulations. <laughs> yes, indeed. Congratulations. I have had, however, syphilis, gonorrhea, the clap, and a bunch of other stuff, but I'm okay now. I guess he didn't like Chris Fowler, celebrity, refusing to share an elevator, and he was miffed. And he was going to put that COVID Karen in his place. You know, I've been with prostitutes. I've never had COVID. Well, give it time. Give it time. It's not like COVID's going away tomorrow. Not anytime soon. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your Tuesday. We've got one more tackle football game to go. And then we're back at it on Thursday for week 14. It's a glorious time of the year as a sports fan. Thanks for listening. Have a great Tuesday, and we will see you next time. It is the most wonderful time of the year for a year that can't end soon enough. We all deserve a win. We all deserve a little extra money in our pocket. And we all deserve to have a little fun. Well, the best place to get all three is mybookie.com. They're the only sports book that doesn't care whether you were naughty or nice this year. They've got gifts for everyone. Bet the NFL, NBA, college football, and more. College basketball, too. Sign up today and receive the ultimate stocking stuffer a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's a great place to start, but we all know Christmas is about what's under the tree. And at MyBookie, that means huge deposit bonuses, epic giveaways, and free contests. It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code ZABE, and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Head over to MyBookie to make the most of the holidays this year and strut into 2021 with cash in your pocket. This winter, bet with the best. Bet with my bookie.